Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. Uh, just one thing really quick, just kind of family business is that we're approaching that time of the year and February is usually our annual business meeting. But during that meeting is usually when we do our um, deacon elections. And so the way we do that is, is that we take nominations um, from the body and then there's a process that we go through. And so those nomination forms are on the information desk. It has on there the our current board and their terms. Um, we have one up uh, this year, and so um, take those and prayerfully um, consider and nominate somebody, and we'll go through the process and um, do those elections in February. But I want to share with you this morning about the five words of prayer. We're going to be kind of looking at uh, three short verses and passages. And so if you want to get ready, they're all in the shuns. So that's uh, 1 Thessalonians and uh, uh, there, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Philippians, I guess the ends is where we're at, and, the, and Colossians chapter 4. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Philippians 4, and Colossians 4, we'll be reading there in just a second, but let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord, just your work in our life. We're grateful we get to come together, worship together, experience your presence together. Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there's all kinds of prayers, and, um, and I, I'm really not sure 100% the next few weeks what I'm going to be sharing on, I do want to focus in on, because the day starts our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so my encouragement to you is, is, is one, whether you fast or not, at least be a part of some of our prayer meetings. We had our first one this morning at 8, our next one will be in the morning at 6 in the morning, and we'll have one Tuesday at 7. Wednesday at noon and then Saturday evening and all we have all those times posted there's stuff on the information table but if you have never fasted I would also encourage you to do that these next 21 days and so just very quickly there you know we just kind of always talk about there's several ways to fast one way and that we see probably the, the, the most often throughout scripture is really a full fast. And what a full fast is, is really you're just on water. And so you pick whatever that time frame is, where that meal is. And uh, another way is, is kind of what we emphasize during these 21 days is a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast, you're going off meat and sugars and carbs and, and all of those good, good things that... Um, we got addicted to over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, and there's also what we call a soul fast. And I mean, you may find that you spend way too much time watching TV or on social media or, or something of that nature that you know just sucking up your time and you can take a season and withdraw from that. Now, we all know that if we, are, if we say we're fasting, 
And you know, I don't want to say this every year, but uh, you know, fasting without prayer is just a diet. I mean, that's that's really, and we're look. This is not about losing weight. This is not about you know intermediate fasting or whatever. This is about seeking the Lord. And so I would encourage you to do that in a greater way these next few weeks coming up. And uh, I believe the Lord will bless you for it. And we'll talk more about it. There'll be more on social media specifics about fasting. And But this morning, uh, like, like I said, I really felt the Lord to speak to me about this. And um, so I want to share it with you. So we're first going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. And we're going to read verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, rejoice always. This is, Tony used this passage last week. Rejoice always. And then it says, pray without ceasing. I have that underlined. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ for you. And I, I know I've talked about this being just a, a little bit facetious, but we live in a culture and a time where everybody is wondering and looking and wanting the will of God for their life. And yet there's so many places we see in scripture that God actually tells us in his written word, this is my will for you. Are you following me? He makes it very, so you don't have to pray if this is God's will for you. He's telling you in scripture, it is my will for you that you pray without ceasing, give thanks. This is my will for you. This is part of praying and seeking the Lord with thanksgiving is God's will for us. He may, see how simple that is? But I haven't emphasized pray without ceasing because what we need to understand is prayer is just not a segment in time. It, I think it's important to do that, to set aside a time to seek the Lord, but it's more than that. It's, it's an attitude of our heart. It's a, something that's continually happening with our spirit, and that's how we pray without ceasing. And then we read Philippians chapter four and verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, again, two words of underline, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we're grateful that we can come to the Lord and make our needs known to him, right? I mean, and he wants that from us. I shared the verses a moment ago. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and make our requests made known to him. But this verse, it tells us by prayer, but it also says supplication. And really what that's very simply, that supplication, I mean, it kind of, uh, if I could say it this way, a worldly definition would be to beg. But the Lord, I, the Lord does not want us to beg him, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord wants us to pursue him. And just because you don't get the answer on the first time, I'm gonna, we need to, you need to keep pressing in and keep asking and stay prayerful. And, and the Lord will answer. Now, it's not always the answer we want, right? It's not always the answer we, we want to hear, but the Lord always answers. And so that supplication, and again, it says with what? With thanksgiving. And then we read Colossians chapter four, verse two, it says continue, right? So this is like, you know, pray always, pray continually. But here we see in Colossians 4, continue steadfastly. 
And that steadfast, really, you know, we're in the year, a lot of people, I don't know if you've made resolutions. I know a lot of people make resolutions. I'm really not big on making resolutions. I learned long ago that, uh, you know, I, I just got tired of feeling guilty of never doing my resolutions. And so, but you may do resolutions. And, but that's part of what that means is that, that steadfastly is that you're going to be resolute in prayer. You're going to be steadfast in prayer. It's going to be a commitment, even when it's difficult to, or you don't feel like doing it. It's a resolution in your heart that you're going to continue in prayer Regardless of the facts around you, regardless of the answers that you get, you're going to be steadfast in prayer. I've used this for several times, but I, I think it's such a powerful quote, but it's from Max Licato. I think he's a, just a phenomenal writer, but Max Licato said this, our prayers may be awkward. And I love that because I think so many times we think that we have to be some eloquent orator to, to, to pray correctly. And the reality is you don't. I mean, all God wants from you is a conversation. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Uh, Billy Graham said this, true prayer is a way of life, not just for use in cases of emergency, make it a habit. And listen, he says this, when the need arises, you'll be in practice. Prayer is not the easiest thing. We hear others pray and, and they pray with eloquence and almost maybe in a, a poetic sense. And it's, we're like, I can't pray like that. I mean, surely God hears them over what I try to prayer. I mean, many, and many times we just relegate prayer to what this that 911 emergency, and it's okay to cry out to the Lord in those moments. But I'm going to tell you, prayer is so much more. I'm going to take a few moments. I, it is so rare that I do this, really, if ever. But I, I want to share something just a, a little bit from a book. And um, that book is called No Easy Road. It's by Dick Eastman. And um, I have had this book since February of, uh, of 1994. This is the first book I ever read when I got saved. And, um, I, I, you know, my first verse I remember when I came to the Lord was his first Peter, you know, we cast our cares in the Lord, but he cares for us. But this was, this was the first book I ever read, and I've kept it, and I, I read it through ever so often. And it's a really short book, but it's a powerful book. But I want to read just a, a couple of excerpts about, about prayer from this book. It says, years ago, before the fall of communism in Eastern Europe, a young communist editor compared the Christian gospel to communism. Although his prophecy of the ultimate success of communism clearly failed, his conclusions captured their intense commitment to the communist cause. He confessed the gospel is as much more powerful weapon, this is, a, this is a communist writing this, the gospel is a much more powerful weapon for the renovation of society than our Marxist views. 
Yet it is we who shall conquer you in the end. We communists do not play with words. We are realists. And because we are determined to reach our end, we also know how to provide the necessary means. Of our salaries and wages, we keep only what is absolutely necessary and the rest we give for propaganda purposes. To the same propaganda, we also devote leisure time and part of our vacation. You, however, only give a little time and scarcely any money for spreading Christ's gospel. He goes on to say, how can anyone believe in an all-surpassing value of your gospel if you do not practice it, if you do not spread it, if you sacrifice neither your time nor your money for that purpose? Believe me, it is we who shall conquer because we believe in our communist gospel and are willing to sacrifice everything, even life itself. But you are afraid of soiling your hands. Is that not an oh me writing right there? Ian Bounds says this, prayer is not a little habit pinned to us while we are tied to our mother's apron strings, neither is a little decent quarter of a minute's grace said over an hour's dinner, but it is the most serious work of our most serious years. Spiritual work is taxing work and men are loath to do it. Praying the true, true praying costs an outlay of serious attention and time which flesh and blood do not relish. You see, there's many examples we see in prayer in the scripture, and we've talked about some of those and, and may will over the next few weeks, the Lord's Prayer, using the Lord's Prayer and Matthew or the prayer of Jabez or the Acts Prayer, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You kind of use the acronym Acts to, to help you, give you a, a model of prayer. But the reality is this, is... Um, it's not easy to pray. And it doesn't matter how many books on prayer we read. It doesn't matter how many podcasts on prayer that we read. It doesn't matter how much YouTube we, uh, about prayer that we read or how much preaching we hear about prayer. The only way to really ever learn to pray is to pray. And that's what it takes. It takes us just being disciplined and having that time set aside to communicate with the Father. I'm gonna tell you, there are times where I know this may, you know, your respect for me may, you know, drop it a little bit, but there are times that I just don't want to pray. There are times I don't feel like praying. There are times I feel like where I've prayed my guts out for, you know, for an hour. And, uh, you know, I think, man, surely that was a great prayer time. And it's been like two minutes. There's times where I don't know what to pray for. There's time where I feel like prayer is mundane. There's times that, I mean, there, it, it seems like the, 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 the time that my ADHD kicks in the most is during my prayer time. Because I will think of anything to do while I'm praying. I'll be walking the sanctuary praying and I'm checking Kleenex boxes and straightening chairs and counting rows. 
It happens to all of us, but prayer is not a feeling. Prayer is not a, we're not trying to get to some kind of emotional end. Prayer is not a waste of time. Prayer has meaning. And we can do all that we can to try to understand prayer, but the best way to do it is just to pray. Charles Spurgeon said this, prayer itself is an art which only the Holy Ghost can teach us. He is the giver of all prayer. Pray for prayer. Pray till you can pray. I love that quote. And we see, even see it modeled out in scripture. You know, in Matthew chapter 26, we see right after, you know, the, the last supper and then Jesus grabs Peter, James, and John to go to the garden of Gethsemane and what happens is, is that Jesus is really in this, locked in this moment in intercession in this midnight hour in the garden. And you read in Matthew 26, he even says, my soul is very, Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. I mean, Jesus is weighed down. I mean, so much in this moment, the scripture tells us his sweat was as like drops of blood. I mean, he's really wrestling in this moment because he knows in really just a few short hours, he's willingly going to die on the cross for us. He knows the, 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 the abuse that he's about to suffer. And he has Peter, James, and John with him. And something very interesting happens in Matthew 26 and verse 40. So he's, Jesus is praying. Peter, James, and John are there. Jesus comes and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he says to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? And I, as I was processing that moment, and there's all kinds of thoughts of why Jesus had Peter, James, and John there, maybe to be gatekeepers, to be on a lookout, whatever it is. But there is some of me that thinks, I mean, that what Jesus wanted these three to understand was how to pray. When it was the most difficult time to pray. Are you following me? And so I, I may, you know, talk about, you know, these different models, but I, I just really felt the Lord speak to me. What, what can shift our prayer? What can energize our prayer? What can help us, you know, our prayer times feel, you know, more, uh, you know, like it's accomplishing something. And so I just want to talk about five words very quickly. And one is worship. Worship is a critical aspect of prayer. And I know, listen, you know, worship, you know, worship is just not something that we did a few minutes ago where we have a, a band on the platform. I mean, worship is, I mean, us living out our Christian life. Wor worship is giving of our tithe. Worship is, you know, being faithful to the Lord. There's so many examples of worship, but we also know that worship is declaring the goodness and the greatness and the majesty majesty of God. In my definition, worship is making God bigger so that everything else looks smaller. I mean, when it comes down to it, when I want to magnify the name of the Lord, 
What I want is, now I can't make God bigger. God is just big. But yet my vision changes of God. Because my eyes get off the, the circumstance and they get focused on him. Now listen to me. If the enemy can get your mind and spirit off the magnitude of God, he can put your attention on anything else. I love Psalm 34. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Worship is for God and not people. When I worship, I, I'm, not wor I'm, I'm worshiping for an audience of one. And the reason I'm kind of going in detail in this because worship is such an important part of our prayer to the Lord. Uh, having a, a correct prayer time, just, you know, if we just come to God with our petitions and giving our needs, we're missing out on so much of what prayer is. It's not a performance. It's about the audience of one. And what worship does, listen to me, what worship does, it, it, it engages your physical. There is a physical aspect to worship. And I mean, I could go through scripture, it says clap your hands and raise your hands and, and dance and shout. And, and there's all these ways to worship. I'm going to tell you, part of worship is being physical in your worship. It's something that touches your physical man. Psalm 84, 2, my soul longs, my soul longs, faints for the courts of the Lord. Listen, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. It's something that takes all of us. And so we stand, we, we kneel, we, we lift our hands, we close our eyes, we, we clap our hands. And you don't have to have a worship team in front of you to respond physically in your worship. It can be done in your prayer closet. It can be done while you're listening to some worship music. I, I was at the coffee shop last night just jotting some things down. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, you know, I, I would like to hope that the people in the coffee shop felt it. But I mean, I, 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 I was moved. I mean, the Holy Spirit was with me in that coffee shop. And, uh, and, and I kind of had to look up and say, okay, anybody staring at me? Because I was responding to the presence of the Lord in a physical way. I was crying. I mean, I, I, I mean, boy, it was like I, just, I wanted to shoot my hands up and, and worship. Worship engages your soul. Worship engages your soul. Psalm 71, 23, my lips, right? So physical, my lips will shout for joy. It's something physically that happens when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And what we have to remember is that we're three parts, mind, soul, and, and spirit. And that soul part of us, that's where our passion is. That's where that zeal is based in. And so, you know, and I know all of us have different personality types, and I get that. But listen, the, when you worship the Lord, that is not the moment in time to be reserved. 
I'm not telling you you got to worship like me. Something we've all, I mean, for 10 years, something we've said here is don't make the fun, uh, don't make fun of the way of I worship and I won't make fun of the way that you worship. I mean, you, you, what matters is we worship in spirit and in truth. But yet when the creator of the universe touches your soul, how do you not express something in some way? And then we worship, it engages our spirit. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Verse 15, what am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. I remember my, my years, years ago, kind of, you know, it, Music has always been an issue of, of debate in church and, and style and all that kind of stuff. And I remember years ago, kind of when the worship renewal was happening and, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know, the Darlene Check songs. I can't recall any of the one of the songs right now shout to the lord that that's what i was searching for but you know those kind of songs and and there was a lot of of disagreement in the church and I'm, i was listening to my father-in-law preach one time and he said this he said let me ask you something he said what's more in the flesh having a generation of young people jumping up and down and dancing in front of the church or a bunch of people in the pew sitting like this i, I mean I'll, I'll never forget that because the reality is when we worship, it also, we worship with our spirit man. We worship with that, with what's inside of us. And, and it may come out as speaking in tongues, but I'm gonna, when we worship with our spirit, there, we are connecting with God because God is spirit. The second part of prayer. So the first part is worship. And I wanna tell you that if you struggle with your prayer life, if you struggle with, with how to pray, if you struggle with consistency in prayer, spend time in worship. Spend time in worship. The second thing is what makes up prayer is petitions. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, we read this just a moment ago. And don't be anxious about anything but in prayer, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Part of prayer is doing exactly that. It is making our request known to God. Listen to me. God cares about everything that you face and everything that you go through. And the Lord wants you to have those conversations with him. And I think, you know, not, not, not that it's wrong. Sometimes, you know, I, I keep a prayer list and I kind of have, you know, bullet points of things I want to pray for. And it's okay going through that list. But listen, God wants you to express to him what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're processing, what you're going through, how you're perceiving things. Just like I would do with Angela, my wife. I, I mean, I, we have these conversations. The Lord wants you to have those same conversations 
with him. I like how the New Living says in this passage in 4.6, it says, don't worry about every, anything. Instead, pray about everything. Listen, tell God what you need, then thank him for all that he's done. We can offload our stress to God. I mean, we can, all that pent up worry and anxiety, we can hand it over to the Lord. We can give it to him. It doesn't matter how small it is, how big it is, how impossible that we think it is. Give it to God. Say, Lord, this is what I'm facing, what I'm going through. Because what you'll find is this, is that worry and prayer cannot coexist. I'm going to tell you even that anxiety and prayer cannot coexist. That those mental struggles and battles that we have, I'm going to tell you when you are consistent in prayer, prayer will win over every single time. Every single time. There's a third part to prayer and that is listening. And I think we miss this and I... I will be so blessed. Now, you know, I, there's no, you know, uh, uh, scriptural prescription that this is the way it should be. But I'll just tell you from my life experience, I think worship and I think listening are the two most important parts of prayer. The only thing that should be longer, I think, in our prayer time than listening is possibly worship. And that can, I, you can even say that vice versa. But John 10, 27 says what? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I, more and more and more and more, whether it be on you know, Instagram or Facebook, I mean, more and more and more. In YouTube, I'm hearing uh, this, this, this uh, uh, movement. I you know, for lack of a better term, of people really saying that God, the only way that God speaks to us is the Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you, of course, the most important way that God speaks to us and his people is through his written word. But I'm going to tell you something else. God can speak to you directly. I mean, if he's the God that can call, separate the land and the sea and the stars and the sky and, and the sun and the moon, I'm going to tell you something. God can speak to you. He can speak to you right where you're at, whatever you're going through and facing. Matter of fact, I would even go to say that God wants to speak to you. Hebrews chapter three, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. I mean, we see scriptural precedent that God speaks to us today. And I'm going to tell you, when you listen, I mean, here's, I, I think, sometimes what happens so many times is that maybe we're going through something. And so, you know, maybe we respond to the altar or we go to God in prayer and we're like, God, I'm going through this. And then we just take off. And God's like, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> you're, you're cutting out too quick. I'm going to tell you, listening brings intimacy with God. Listening brings guidance. You're not going to hear that still small voice unless what? Unless you're listening. Listening brings wisdom. Listening brings strength. Listening brings comfort. Listening brings peace. I, many times I, I talk about this when it comes to like spiritual warfare, but um, years ago, we were pastors at another church and, um, you know, me and Angela, you know, you ever go through those seasons 
Um, I mean, it was just like we were fighting over everything. I mean, just everything. It was like, you know, can can you not? I mean, it, you know, it, I mean, even like you just get a little. Eh, 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 and, okay, we're the only ones, I guess. <laughs> it's like, can you walk through the house different? You walk through the house so loud, you know. I mean, it's little stupid, petty stuff. And I, I, I mean, one, we had kind of gotten into it a little bit, and we lived right next door to the church. And I was like, I am out of here. And I went over to the church, and I'm, you know, I'm praying, God, you got to do something with Angela. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What is going on? Man, change her heart. You know, I, <laughs> But I remember just taking a moment and just, I just sat down on the altar and was just waiting. I was like, God, I really need you to speak to me something. I remember sitting there waiting and I, and I, mean, I felt the Lord just impress upon me that there was a witch in the town that was casting spells on us. And so I went up right over, you know, the thing is if I'd have, if I'd have kept complaining to the Lord, I'd have never heard it. And so I, I went to Angela, I went over to the house, I said, listen, I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'll take blame, you, whatever, I, you know, blame's going around, and we're, we just been in this season. I said, but I'm going to tell you what I felt the Lord speak to me. And so we began to pray. This was like on Saturday. This was on a Saturday. The next, that, that Sunday, um, church is fixing to start, and somebody runs up to me and says, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so's here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, first time. Yeah, okay. So like, no, you don't understand. They're a witch. I mean, they're known in our town as a witch. I was like, really? I was like, how interesting. That the, what just happened the day before, the Lord speaking to me and, and, me, and, the Lord, and me and Angela, you know, began to pray together. And what was awesome about all that, I'm just going to add this in there, is that when I gave the altar call, the witch's husband came forward and got saved. And that's what God will do. That's what God will do. So in Kierkegaard, he said, a man prayed. And at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until he realized that prayer is listening. So a couple more things very quickly. And so those are simple things, I think, really. Those are the simple parts of prayer is, is worship, is petition, is listening. I want to tell you some, a couple of other parts of prayer that I don't think we probably talk about enough. And number four is this, is declaration. Is declaration. I love the promise we see in Romans chapter four and verse 17. You know, this Romans four, just to give you just a little picture, Romans four is talking about the process of Abraham becoming the father of many nations. How did Abraham feel? How, him hearing the Lord, taking in the promise of God, trusting God. And so there's this breakdown in Romans chapter four of the promise given to Abraham that he's gonna be the father of many nations. In Romans 4, 17, it, go, it picks up right here. I have made you the father of many nations and the presence of God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. I mean, a lot of us are familiar with that verse. We may hear it this way. 
you know, call things that are not as though they are. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread just a little bit softly here, but I think declaration is something we miss out on in our Christian life. And because the, the, the reality is this, I can not declare anything into existence where God hasn't already worked or what he has said, or what he has doing. You know, this is not me just saying, I just have this random feeling or thought, and so I want this to happen, so I'm gonna speak it into existence. That's not how this works. It works by us standing on the word of God. A declaration has to be grounded in the word of God. But when I read this, Romans 4, 17, I, I wanna read it in the message, what I just read. We call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention. Some of you need to hear this right now. Not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many people. Abraham was first named father, then became a father because he dared to trust. Everybody say trust. Come on, say it again with me. Trust. He dared to trust God to do only what God could do. And what only God can do is to raise the dead to life and make something out of nothing. And I'm gonna tell you, when you take the time and you're worshiping and you're communicating with God and you're listening, if you wanna understand really what it means to make declarations, you've gotta have the listen part down because God wants to speak to you because life comes out of our mouth. It comes out of our spirit, out of our inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. And so, yes, you can declare something over your marriage. You can declare over your lost kids. You can declare over your finances. You can declare over sicknesses. Come on, I thought I'd get a little more excitement than that. Church, listen to me. When you take that, there are times, I, it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every single prayer time for me. But there are times where I feel the Holy Spirit just give me that unction and I'm spending that time in prayer and I begin to pray and declare over you, over my family, the things that we see in Scripture. I mean, sometimes you just need to make a declaration about yourself and understand, I mean, really, I, I, <laughs> it, it, there's something, there, there's power in using our vocal cords and expressing the promises of God and what God thinks about you. And so when I, I, I'm not talking about some self-help thing or anything like that, but there's times where I don't feel like it and I've got to say, no, I declare that I'm a new creation in Christ. I, I may not feel like it, but I, you know, I feel like I, you know, I'm really good. I, I don't need anybody else to beat me up. I'm pretty good at it. And there's times where I just gotta say, no, I, what, what God, I make the declaration of what God says about me, that I am his masterpiece, his workmanship. 
When the enemy wants to tell me that the, the father wants nothing to do with me, oh no, devil, I make the declaration that I can have access to the father because the Bible says that through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I can come to the father. When I feel like I'm losing my mind, when I feel like the stress is just overwhelming and its waves are hitting me and I, I can't process or think right, I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, but I have the mind of Christ. And sometimes you need to make those declarations and that gets us to the fourth thing is command. Is command. In Luke chapter nine, verse one, it says, and he called the 12 together. This is Jesus, he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God to heal. Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. I do want to exercise caution because this may be maybe difficult for some to process. But when it comes to some things, it comes to, now the Bible tells us, James tells us, they're all, you know, if there's any among you sick, call upon the elders of the church and they'll anoint you with oil and they'll pray over you and the, you know, and, and you know, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, and, and there, we make those things part of our petitions to the Lord. But I wanna tell you, when you start to fast and you start to pray, and you get faithful in those moments of prayer, of worship and petition and listening and declaration, what you'll begin to understand is what God has given you as the, the authority of the believer. And he is giving you an authority, listen to me, he is giving you an authority over some of the circumstance that's going on in your life. And the reason why you keep repeating the pattern and going through the same mud trough is you haven't stood up and commanded and taken authority that's been given to you. There are moments where we can make commands against the enemy. There are moments when we can make commands about healing. There's moments where the, you know, the, and the, both of those only happen because of the authority of Jesus. It's not something I do on my own, but I'm gonna, I, I'm not, I, you know, let, let me think of an example. Here's an example. You know, many times we go, you know, people's homes and we anoint their home and pray over their home, bless their home. I, I, I think it's, a, I really do think it's a powerful thing to do. But when I do that, rarely do I go into that place in a house and, and start binding the devil. Normally what I do is really invite in the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, just feel, because I think the Holy Spirit can be upon and within. That's a whole other sermon. But I, I think the Holy Spirit can invade an atmosphere and, and change the dynamic of the atmosphere of a home. And we ask about the, just the blessing of the Lord. But I'm gonna tell you, there are times there are times where I have to command and say, I'll rebuke you, devil. I'll rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. 
I'm not going to let you have my kids in the name of Jesus. You are bound and you are defeated. And we make the, we enter this, this place of spiritual warfare and we, God's given us this authority to command. And it's the same thing with sickness. Do we pray for another? Yes. I have a long list of those who are sick that I pray for. And we make those petitions. But when you look at the scriptural example, you'll see moments and times where there was a command giving and healing came in and happened. I, I, there was a, a years ago, years ago, there was, was in a service, I'd preach a service and there were, there were some students there and the student came up. I'll never forget this moment. I mean, the Lord just really just taught me a lot of things, but I, this, the student came up and, uh, and, and said, PT, I, I'm just dealing with a whole lot of fear. And, and I've been praying and friends have prayed, my parents have prayed, she said, but I cannot shake this fear. And I, it, it was only the Lord that did this. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was almost like, it was, it was almost a, re, a, a, a spirit reaction from me. It's the only way I want to describe it. And so I didn't pray for her again. I didn't say, okay, you know, well, let, let's pray, dear, and pray. And, you know, and, and most, and almost every case that would have been appropriate. But I just felt an unction from the Holy Spirit. And I, I, mean, I just pointed at her. And I said, fear be gone in the name of Jesus. And when I did that, it was like somebody had turned on a blower. And I mean, many of you have probably seen people fall out in the spirit or, you know, be touched by the Lord that way. I'm going to tell you, this is not how this happened. And uh, what happened was you saw, I mean, her, her hair, she had long hair, her hair blew back. She came up off her feet and flew about two feet backwards and hit the floor. And I was in shock. I was like, I did not touch her, I promise. <laughs> and, and some of her friends were there, it's like, no, we saw that. We, we felt that wind. And, and it was just a powerful, powerful moment. I want to tell you, sometimes you've just got to command. Not because of who we are, but because of the power that lies within us is the authority that he's given us. I want to ask you to stand this morning. The worship team is going to come. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.